Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Following up last week's rebroadcast about creating better reminders, I thought I'd add in some more ideas on how we can remember things. One of the tools that I most often use is the camera on my phone. I think the first time I tried using a photograph to remember something was when I was a kid and saw a commercial on TV for a toy bow and arrow set. It looked like the best toy, but the only way I could think of to record the phone number to call in for it, yes, this was before you got toys on the internet, was to take a picture of the TV screen. Of course, I forgot about this picture until it was developed several weeks later, and then promptly told by my parents that they were in fact not going to get me that toy. Anyways, today we're going to be learning how taking pictures can affect our memories, what things we can turn from physical to digital with pictures, and how we can use photos to assist with cleaning. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash picture. Alright, keep on listening to find out what pictures you should be taking. Before we get started with this episode, I want to take a minute to talk about what's going on where I live, the United States. I have no doubt that most of you have strong feelings about what's going on. The recent murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, and Breonna Taylor has sparked outrage across the country. One of my fears starting this podcast was that I was just going to be another white guy with a podcast, that my podcast might drown out minority voices. ADHD isn't something that affects only white people. People of color and people from all walks of life are affected by ADHD, and I will never be able to speak to the experience of being black and having ADHD. I will never be able to speak to the experience of being a woman with ADHD. No matter the amount of research I do, I can only speak to my own experiences with ADHD. So I want to encourage you to seek out these other voices. Need some place to start? Check out the blog Black Girl Lost Keys, which is written by Renee Brooks. She has a lot of great content and has created some wonderful workbooks that she sells on her website. Go check her stuff out. In fact, pause this podcast right now and go follow her on Twitter at BLKGirlLostKeys. And I also want to encourage you to support your local black community. Shop at black-owned businesses. Read books by black authors. It's just like I've heard a million times in writing classes. Show, don't tell. Go out and show your community that black lives matter to you. Show the black community that they are valuable. For other ideas for how you can support the black community right now, check out ally.wiki. That's A-L-L-Y period W-I-K-I. Just type ally.wiki into your web browser. It will redirect you to a Google document with petitions to sign, places to donate money, and people to call to demand justice. I'm sure some people listening have already turned off the podcast, but systemic racism and police brutality is an issue that everyone should care about. Black lives matter, and we can show our community that we believe this by supporting them, not just now, but in the future as well. Thanks for listening, and now for the show. I take a lot of pictures to help me remember things, from grocery lists, to places I visited, to the countless pictures I take of my kids. I take a lot of photos. Just glancing at my camera roll, I have over 4,000 pictures on there right now, and while I periodically go through and clear out those pictures, I'm clearly overdue. One question that's important to ask is, do photos really help us remember? I mean, of course they do, right? But I've also seen plenty of people on social media decrying others constantly taking pictures of events, with complaints like, people would rather take a picture of a sunrise than actually experience one. And I've never known how to take that argument. With ADHD, 
My memory can be pretty piss-poor at times, so pictures are a great way for me to remember things I otherwise wouldn't. Fortunately, I don't have to rely on the whims of lifestyle bloggers to tell me if I should take pictures or not. We can turn to science. Until recently, we actually didn't have a lot of great information on this topic. Photography has only been around for less than 200 years. But many scientists have recently been exploring the idea of cognitive offloading and what it means for our development as a species. Cognitive offloading is a bit of a broad term that encompasses a few areas, but it basically means doing things that make it easier for your brain to process information. So this can mean turning your head so that you are looking at a document straight on. Sure, we could read something upside down, but it's much easier for us to just turn our heads. But cognitive offloading also covers stuff like taking stuff out of our heads and recording it externally, like writing down a phone number or putting something in our calendars. Because if it's written down, we don't have to think about it and we can just forget it until we get our reminder. So what some scientists have hypothesized is that when we take pictures, we're essentially just cognitively offloading our memory of the experience, which in turn reduces our ability to recall that event. Like how we generally won't remember all the phone numbers we stored on our phones because, well, we don't need to. But recent studies have called into question this idea of cognitive offloading from taking pictures. In a recent study of almost 300 people, researchers found that when subjects were asked to take photos during a tour of a museum while listening to an audio guide, they were able to recall more detail of what they had seen than those who had not taken the pictures. Yes! Vindication! Time to just tape a camera to my head and take pictures all day long. I will remember everything. Well, except that the study also found that the group taking photos recalled less of what they heard from the audio guide. Huh, so what does this mean? What researchers believe is happening is that when we are taking pictures, we are narrowing our focus and decreasing what we remember. Think about how when you are driving through a neighborhood looking for a particular address. So what do we do? We turn down the radio. Wait, what? We don't need it to be quiet to use our eyes, right? Well, this is another case of cognitive offloading, and as we are acutely aware with ADHD, we actually only have so much focus to go around. By turning down the radio, we in fact do increase our ability to focus visually. We are doing the same thing when we are taking a picture. Our brain is turning down the noise around us to focus on the visual aspects. While we are a very visual creature, we can't dismiss the importance of our audio memories, and this means that we can't rely on taking photos of everything to have perfect recall. Nonetheless, taking pictures is still an incredible tool we can use to help us overcome some of our ADHD challenges. We've just got to be aware of what it means and when it is and isn't a good time to use photos as a memory aid. One of the things I've wrestled with for years is if I want a physical or digital journal. Physical journals appeal to me in so many different ways. Writing feels different when you do it with a pen and paper. It's easier for me to get into that groove without getting distracted. I mean, there are no red squiggly lines under half the words I write, for one thing. But the other reason I find most compelling for having a physical journal is that I love the idea of, after years of journaling, having a bookshelf full of my old journals. Sure, it's pretty much a vanity thing, but nonetheless, it's an image that my brain has latched onto. At the same time, though, I like the idea of having digital journals. Also, for similar reasons, I want to be able to have a collection of my journals, and keeping something digitally is much easier than physically. I also like the idea that with a digital journal, that I could tag my entries and then be able to easily search through them. I could look up all those entries I've written about book ideas. I could have them tagged and pull them up without having to look through countless other journal entries. Although I think the main thing I'd find is journal entries starting off describing how tired I am. Note to self, action item, get more sleep. Despite all my googling, I haven't come up with a satisfying answer to which is better. I mean, it's pretty subjective, so that isn't so surprising. So what I've come up with is a compromise because I can have a physical journal and still have digital copies. All I need to do is take a picture of what I wrote. 
There are even a ton of programs now that can turn your handwriting into digital text. I stumbled upon this idea when I was researching ways to get around my journaling problems. At first, I was playing around with the idea of using a smart pen. I had tried using the Echo from Livescribe, which seemed like it would solve all of my problems. It would let me take notes, and then the pen would create a digital copy of what I wrote. But I found it too bulky, and then the screen died so I couldn't tell if it was turned on or not. But it did enchant me with the idea of turning handwritten stuff digital. I then turned my eyes to the Rocketbook, which is a reusable notebook. For those of you that haven't heard of this before, this is going to sound kind of absurd, but the Rocketbook is a notebook that you can microwave, and it will erase all of the text. I know it sounds ridiculous, but with the special paper in the notebook and using erasable friction pens, when you microwave your journal, it gets completely erased. Magic. Anyways, the appeal of the Rocketbook was that it had an app to take pictures of your notes before you erased your journal. I loved the idea, but just the picture part. As I mentioned, I want a bookshelf full of my journals, so I don't particularly need the reusable journal part. So my solution was to just use any journal I want and then take pictures of my entries. I can then just drop the pictures directly into my journaling folder on Evernote. If I ever get more ambitious, I'll probably go down the handwriting to text path, but for now, I'm just happy keeping digital copies of my entries. I also use the same idea to create digital copies of everything I write on my whiteboard. I love all the space my whiteboard has to offer, but it makes recording those ideas hard sometimes, so taking a picture makes the process that much easier. Although to get good images, I do have to use the panoramic mode on my camera. Leads to some funky words sometimes, but it's usually still legible. And this only scratches the surface of how we can use pictures to keep digital copies. When I worked at my Frisbee League, I worked in Portland, Oregon, but our main office was in Philadelphia. When I made purchases that needed to be reimbursed, they didn't want me to send an envelope of receipts to them. They just wanted me to take pictures of the receipts and send it to them. This was actually a great habit to develop because I'm terrible at keeping track of receipts. So for anything that I might need a receipt for, I just snap a quick picture. In fact, I do this for pretty much any important document I might have to reference. While I might not be able to use the picture for anything official, I can keep the original filed away and just use the digital when I need to reference it. It saves me from losing the document and also keeps my desk clear of a lot of the paper clutter that it would otherwise develop. Pictures are great for creating digital copies of things like to-do lists, grocery lists, and all of those reminders you have written down on post-its. Anything that we might want to reference while we're on the go. Alright, let's switch gears here for a minute and talk about cleaning. I find that taking photos is a great way to augment my cleaning in a number of ways. Let's start by thinking of a particularly messy room, like a garage or rec room where you've been dumping boxes in for the better part of the last five years. Or maybe just a junk drawer. You know you need to get to work on organizing everything, but it's overwhelming to even think about starting. In any instance where I'm feeling overwhelmed by the thought of starting, my first step is always working on a plan of attack. To help make this plan, I like starting with a picture. And to be clear, not a lot of pictures, just one or two that encompass the range of the mess. Once we have this picture, we can use it to write out our steps of what needs to happen. I find this process is incredibly helpful. First, it takes the 3D space and turns it 2D. This makes the room a lot easier for my brain to parse. If I print out the picture, I can circle and highlight which areas I think need the most attention. I also like doing this with the picture because I can work on the plan outside of the space I need to work on. It's easy for me to get overwhelmed by the planning process when I'm in the middle of things. If I can sit down and look things over, it slows everything down, and I can actually think through what needs to happen. Plus, when I'm in the space, I tend to try and just get started. And that means instead of actually planning, I only get overwhelmed five minutes later and quit without having really done anything. These pictures also give us great before and after shots. One of my problems with cleaning is that after I'm done, it feels like I haven't really done anything because I just put everything back where it was supposed to be. When you have before and after shots, it really helps you appreciate what you've done. 
I'll also use the before and after shots to send to my accountability group to show what I'm going up against, and then as a confirmation when I'm done. Finally, having pictures of what a room should look like after it's been cleaned can be really helpful during the cleaning process. Planning is so much easier if you have a good sense of where you're going. This tip won't help you for your first run through cleaning, but trust me when I tell you that at some point you are going to need to clean again. So after that first good clean, take the pictures and save them someplace you'll be able to find them next time you need to clean. I also did an entire episode about cleaning a few weeks ago, episode 29, Cleaning House, so be sure to check that out if you want more tips on cleaning. One of the creative ways I've started using photos is to help with some travel anxiety, which I mainly get from worrying that I forgot to do something, like closing the garage. Now, before I go on trips, I'll go through the house and take quick pictures of things like all the doors and windows being locked, and of course, also before I drive away, the closed garage. And I like this process because often taking a picture can be quicker than writing down a note. If I'm in a parking garage, I can just take a picture of the space I'm in. Or if I'm at the store and I see something that I may not want to buy right there and then, but I still want to check out, that's a great time to snap a picture. But this does come with a downside. As I've said, I have lots of pictures on my phone. I've taken dozens more since I've started writing this episode. And those pictures aren't worth anything if I don't ever look at them. Often they are only important to look at once or twice. I mean, I don't really need to look at my grocery list from three weeks ago again. So what we've got to do is set aside time to go through our pictures. Every week I try and spend time consolidating all my various to-do lists. While I was in the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability groups, Eric taught us to go through all the places to-dos can pop up, like your email and voicemail. Since I'm also writing myself notes on post-its, in my pocket notebook, and on my whiteboard, those are other places to check. And now, of course, I also look for to-dos in the photos on my phone. This means at the end of the week, I spend a little time looking through the photos I've taken. I'll add to-dos for any pictures that need reminders, and I'll also delete any of those photos I don't need anymore. It's actually kind of fun to go through my photos from the week, so this is a nice addition to my weekly review. I also like to pick out a few of the Godowins to add to my favorites folder. It's easy to get overwhelmed going through your photos when you've got thousands to look through, so I suggest that if you don't do this weekly, you at least try to do it monthly. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. 1. When we take a picture, we narrow our focus, and this helps us remember more of the visual aspects of what we are photographing. However, this also tends to reduce the amount of information that we can recall from what we heard. 2. We can take pictures of our physical reminders like to-dos, grocery lists, and journal entries to create digital copies to take with us. 3. Taking pictures while cleaning can reduce the amount of input we're getting at one time by changing spaces from 3D to 2D. We can also benefit from having before and after photos to see the work we've done and to create a reference of what a room is supposed to look like when it's clean. 4. We need to go through our photos periodically so that we don't get overwhelmed by having too many to sift through at once. We also want to create action items on our to-do list from the pictures we take so that we don't forget what we wanted to be reminded about. Alright, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HackingYourADHD. Or you can connect with me over at HackingYourADHD.com contact. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can go to the show notes page at HackingYourADHD.com slash take a picture. If you're this far into the end of the show, you might also be interested in the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. If you're a parent with ADHD or have a child with ADHD, definitely check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. 
I also do a live Q&A with Eric and Brendan every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to register for the next one coming up on June 9th, just go to ADHDrewired.com events. It's been a pleasure, and until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.